0: Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm April Fallon, enjoy this episode. Welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm your host, April Fallon. I am the mother of four adopted children. We are having so much fun in season six. We love talking about adoption. And honestly, we have learned so much from the show. Today's guest is fascinating. I think you are just going to be so amazed at how far we've come in technology. And adoption is changing. The pandemic changed adoption, but over the years, things have changed because of, a high number of adoptions that are happening and we have 1.2 million families waiting on lists to be matched. So adoption has completely changed within the last 10 years, but it is even changing now in the last year. So I'm excited about today's guest. She is a two-time adoptive mother and the co-founder and CEO of Pear Tree. You might be like, "What is Pear Tree?" Well, we are going to find out. Please welcome Aaron quick hi Aaron.
1: Hi April thanks for having me
0: I'm so excited to talk to you but first before we get into this amazing company you have created, let's talk about your adoptions Why did you choose adoption?
1: Yeah so our path I think is is pretty normal in the adoption world so we tried to get pregnant uh, for about a year and when that didn't work, we turned to reproductive technology and after three years and way too much money in that space I had had my third miscarriage and I just at that point I was like I'm just I need to stop I felt like I was physically and financially and emotionally broken and we'd always kind of had this conversation that like hey you know let's have one and adopt one and I recognize how naive that sounds now but um so after the third miscarriage I said let's move to adoption and we (laughs) landed in the world of adoption thinking it was going to be easier and we're just blown away at the, as you know, just the incredible complexity within the adoption space, even, you know, from everything from choosing choosing the path in adoption to the, the type, the method, um, and then obviously time and expenses. And so um, we ended up using what is often referred to as the self-matching methodology. Um, and we're lucky enough to have two successful adoptions um, within three years. Let's talk about that method. Yeah. So I think for, uh, well, I, well, one, I just don't think a lot of people know that it's an option that exists, but um, so for us, we, we had spent so much money in the reproductive technology space that we didn't have the, you know, 40 to $60,000 to pay an agency. And so we were somewhat forced to find another method. And luckily we had some family friends that said, you know, you can, you can build your own team for adoption. You don't have to use an agency. And so, uh, for us, that meant we're, we're in Washington state. And so for us, that meant we had to hire a social worker in Washington to approve us. And we have to hire an adoption attorney to handle the legal once you've connected with an expectant mom. But the big kind of daunting part is that you, you yourself have to find and connect with an expectant mom who wants to place with you. And so I think that's where people get really intimidated by that process, but, um, you know, this, my first adoption was now almost eight years ago. And even then there were kind of websites that existed that to pair adoptive families with expectant moms. And so we hopped on a couple of those and um, within a couple of weeks, we found ourselves in Michigan with our son. And then three years later we used the exact same methodology um, and we found ourselves in Houston with our daughter. And so, and I think the big incentives for you, for doing it that way, is one, I think if you're just somebody that likes to have a little bit more control over the process, it's it's a good, it's a good process. And then two, it's often a lot less expensive. Um, And so, you know, for us, our, our processes were both under $15,000 including all legal and birth mom expenses. And so that's, I think that's where it gets really attractive to families.
0: Wow. Did you run into anything where it was scammy or you just didn't trust that process?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's, it's the reason that we built pear tree the way that we have and we we can get into it later, but, but yeah, so we were, we were for sure scammed. Um, and, and I think, I mean, and one of the scams that I'm happy to talk about is, um, I don't know if it's scam or catfishing, but we in our second adoption, we connected with a woman, um, who she was a second time mom. She had an 18 month old and she was explaining to us. I mean, she had, she had such a thought. A thought through story that was, that made sense to us. And I think the thing that I think a lot of adopting families can identify with is you, when you're on an adoption journey like this, you make all kinds of allowances for people because you recognize that you're talking to people that are in very different, different circumstances than maybe you've ever been in. And so you make allowances for these people. And so there were a lot of red flags popping up, you know, and these conversations I was having with this woman, her name was a uh, Brit. And, um, but I just kind of were, I was dismissing them cause I was like, oh, well, you know, like she's a single mom and, um, oh, she doesn't have a, you know, a support network. And so, uh, we made all kinds of excuses for her, even though my husband was kind of raising, raising his hand, like Aaron, this doesn't seem right. Aaron, this is, this is not right. But like long story short, what happened is, um, I was talking to her, to her for about a month and she wanted to talk to me all the time. It's so classic mm-hmm. catfish now that I know.
0: Right. It's talking all the time is the number one thing everyone says when they're talking about being scammed. That is the number one thing is that this girl will talk to you. She'll email you. She'll call you. She will, you know, text you in the middle of the night and there's always trauma.
1: Oh yeah. Such extreme language. That's one of the other things that we track now on Tree. but yeah, super extreme language. Like there was one night (laughs) in, I I can remember that it was 11 o'clock at night. And she was telling me that she didn't trust herself with her daughter, that she felt like she was suffering from postpartum. And so I'm like, well, do I call 911? And so I'm on the phone with her and she's crying. It was just so extreme. All of these, all of these situations were just so extreme. But again, you know, like I, I had tunnel vision in terms of like, I want, I wanted a baby. Mm -hmm. And um, I, and I know a lot of our adoptive families feel that way too. And so you, you really, and then, And then you're talking to people that clearly need help, you know, in terms of, and so it's just, it's a really tough position to be in. Um, And so, anyhow, long story short, um, about six weeks into my journey with Britt, that um, she accidentally used the wrong birth dad's name. And I was like, whoa, 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 what's his name? And long story short, I got on the phone with our attorney, attorney called her, and, um, and then she kind of ghosted both of us.
0: Did she fool your attorney?
1: My attorney, I was the one that had to tell my attorney, this is not, this is not right. We can't, he he didn't believe it. He, she was so convincing that my attorney uh, still was reaching out to her weeks after I had kind of closed the door on her that this is, this was definitely a scam because she was that, they're that good. Some of them Mm -hmm. can be that good. And you know, you feel like a fool because I was looking back at all the pictures and ultrasounds and all that kind of stuff that she had sent me. And you realize like, oh, there's no names on this or, oh, <laughs> you know, there's nothing identifying in these images, you know, so it's, and, you know, in some of them, we've seen it on, we've seen it, you know, since we started Peer Tree, like, some of them are identifying, like, they're good at Photoshop, they can change imagery. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's really hard to navigate that. So your oldest is eight? About to be,
0: mm-hmm. So we also adopted eight years ago through Facebook. And at that time, it was kind of unheard of. So when we told people, oh, we found this situation on Facebook, they were like, what? Kind of like back in the day when you told people that you had met your husband on the internet and people were like, what? So scandalous, right? It was like not heard of. And I remember having to explain, no, we're trying to self-match. We're trying to do this you know, a different way. And it was really hard to navigate. We were confused a lot because we were kind of spearheading that, I guess. No one else had really done that in our area. We also had to talk to our agency. They weren't thrilled because we didn't go in saying... We are going to find our birth mother. We hope to self-match. We went in wanting to be matched through the agency. And when you wait on a list for a really long time, you start to get proactive, right? You're like, I can't just sit exactly. here waiting. And how many babies have you placed? Two in the last year? I mean, I'm going to be waiting forever. So you open up your door to this other option and and you start looking on the internet and you find out okay maybe i could do this but when we went to the agency they were not happy they did not want to lose that matching fee and it was kind of a big deal they didn't even they didn't know if they could do icpc they i mean it was this thing right cuz we again we didn't go and mm-hmm. explain right off the bat so it's important if you're listening to this and you want to do what we're talking about, find an agency that's okay with just being the placement agency. They're okay with doing your home study or they're okay. And you'll explain more about that, but they're okay with this Mm -hmm. process.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's not for everybody. And in a lot of states, you don't have to use an agency at all, but if you're not using an agency, then we would say, make sure if you're going to use this process, make sure you have um, a quad attorney on your team. Um, who are, you know, the Quad A attorneys are, have been vetted. They've had to have years of experience in adoption. They've had to have completed a certain amount of adoption. So um, in terms of being able to kind of navigate some of the speed bumps that come up on adoption journeys, um, they'd be your best bet if right. you're not in an agency state.
0: Right. We were an agency state, so we didn't have very many options. Yeah. And we were forced kind of to go through that process. So it was a little bit difficult to self-match. Let's just say that. And we did run into some of the pitfalls, I guess you can say, where you don't have maybe the protection. People think, well, I don't have as much protection if I don't pay this agency. And there were some things that we had to figure out on our own. So you really do have to be the type of person who is really wanting to solve these issues, right? Like my husband would like get on the phone with the head of Colorado, and we'd get down to the bottom of it. And then we would fly out there. You know, we wanted to be engaged in this whole <laughs> process, right? It was our whole life. Not everybody wants that. Some people are like, you guys, I just want an agency to to do it for me.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And that's what we tell people. So self, we call it, you know, self-navigating adoption and it is not for everyone. And it's the reason, I mean, I think, we, so we, people are like, oh, or do you compete with agencies? And I say, absolutely not. We're just a different method. And in fact, we partner with a number of agencies because agencies do wonderful work. And for people that, would, that have the money uh, then, and are, are wanting someone to, to kind of handhold them through literally every step of the process, that's great. Um, but for people that can't work with an agency because they don't have the money or they can't work with an agency because the agency has certain religious beliefs that won't work with them, or you just don't want to work with an agency because you do like having a little bit more control over the process or you're willing to be more hands-on than, um, than self-navigation, I think, is a great option.
0: Talk to me a little bit about your first adoption, your birth mother, the process. Did you fly out there? Were you in the room? Yeah, yeah it
1: was really fast. So our first adoption, again, and I think we find this often that we we, we didn't know what we didn't know. And it happened so fast. so we were we were approved to adopt, and you know we were kind of digging in for the eighteen month wait that we had been told it would probably be. And within a few weeks, we were contacted by uh, this expectant mom, and she was thirty nine weeks pregnant. Wow. and she she contacted us on I think it was a Thursday and said, "Can you be in Michigan this weekend?" uh, we, me and the birth dad would like to meet you for lunch. And so, and it came, we found out later that she had asked two other couples to do the same thing. And so she was basically putting us through kind of an interview process. Wow. And so, um, my husband and I flew out and, um, I don't think I've ever been more nervous in my life. (laughs) literally shaking at lunch. Couldn't even eat. I was so nervous.
0: And what do you talk Um, about? That's what's so hard. It's like, Oh my gosh. It's so awkward.
1: Yeah, so awkward. So we just kind of, you know, like all of the, well, first of all, they walked in to the restaurant and are, you know, this, well, when they're just both happened to be incredibly good looking and um, just super friendly, big smiles. And, and so it just kind of felt like meeting new friends for, for the first, I don't know, hour. And then finally, after an hour, I, I said like, Hey, should we, should we talk about, you know, what we're all here for? And, and so they got into a little bit more of some of the questions that they had for us. And I was literally ready for the spanish inquisition and um, and they they only had they only had one or two questions that were kind of deal breakers for them. um one of them was the one that I really remember was, um, "Do you believe in public school or private school?" And I was like, "Oh man, I hope I have the right answer to this one." <laughs> um, and would you say? So I said, I mean, we we're both big public school people, and we believe in the public school system and public education. And they were like, great, Uh, because they had both gone to private school and thought it was kind of elitist. And they just didn't want their kid to be raised in in that system. So
0: oh, my gosh, I have goosebumps. Because (laughs) how funny. I I mean, in your head, you would think they would want private. And then you said public and they're like, yeah, exactly. And that's why it's really important to be honest, right? Don't try to guess what they want to hear. Just honestly tell them because if it's not a match, it's not a match. It's better to just be who you are.
1: And that is so hard to tell adoptive families, Mm -hmm. but it is so true. Yeah. And and so like, we, we had such a great lunch with them that they were like, well, what are you doing tomorrow? Do you want to go wine tasting?
0: Wine tasting.
1: What? Yeah. And I was like, is this a trick question? Am I supposed to say no to this? Uh, but, but I happen to love wine and I actually think I'm my best person when I'm drinking wine. <laughs> and so I was like, yes, I would love to. <laughs> and so they, we went wine tasting. They took us to some of their favorite places. Obviously, she wasn't drinking, but um, took us to some of their favorite places. And then we went out to a wonderful dinner that night and just had a great time. Just really hit it off.
0: What was the second question they asked you?
1: Second question was just about the level of openness that they wanted, and so they were in a situation where um, they were requesting that the adoption be legally closed, um, but that was for some outside circumstances. And in fact, they were hoping they were hoping to have an open relationship with us, but they wanted it to legally be closed. I think they were worried about um, the potential of other family members finding out.
0: Did they have other children? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you answered the questions correctly. I always laugh because we had a show where the the birth mother said she didn't choose a family because the lady had a perm. (laughs) And I just thought that was so funny because every birth mother is really wanting something or not wanting something. And you really can't Mm -hmm. help but be yourself. You know, if you have the golden retriever, that might be the thing. I had one story where they mm-hmm. had a golden retriever and she wanted her child to grow up with a golden retriever and they were matched. And it's just funny how it kind of works out and how you guys connected and you answered the questions correctly.
1: Yeah, well, on our second one, we also were asked kind of a one deal breaker question. And this was an adoption in Texas. And the question was, are you Republican or Democrat? And I was Ooh. like, oh boy, we're, at, we're done. We're done because here we are liberal folk from the Pacific Northwest. And oh, um, and you're in Texas. And so we said we're, de- <laughs> and we're in Texas. So I was like, oh man, just pack your bags now, Erin. Um, and so I said we were Democrats. And they're like, that's great. So are we, we're the only ones in Texas.
0: Oh my goodness. And now on the second one, yeah. were they a couple also? Both birth mom and birth dad?
1: Yeah, blended family. Um, so they each brought two kids in. And then our daughter was um, the only child that they had actually made together. Wow.
0: And how Mm -hmm. far along was she?
1: Six months. So we had more time to get to know them. And they also made it, they were, it was, it's different in the fact that they made it really clear that they wanted to be, have a very open relationship. And so, um, you know, we, we made it, I think our agreement was that um, we would do quarterly, every couple of months that we would do quarterly kind of big, you know, downloads of images and that kind of thing. But the way that our relationship has evolved is, you know, they're the first people I think about um, whenever our daughter does anything amazing. Um, and so we actually text with them a couple times a week.
0: Wow. That's amazing. What is the names of your children and their ages? I know you said one is almost eight.
1: Yeah. So Emerson is um, seven and three quarters. He tells people almost <laughs> eight and, and Abby is four and three quarters, almost five. So you got a
0: boy and a girl and are you done?
1: Yes. Very done.
0: Very dense because now your baby is this company. Let's talk about what you do.
1: My background is in marketing and technology, and so having gone through these adoptions, I just realized like there are there's an opportunity here to help everyone in this industry by kind of infusing it this process with a little bit more technology to streamline things and make it more efficient and easier for the people that need to connect to connect. And so having helped hundreds of families just pro bono consulting helping helping them go through their adoption journeys, I think that was when kind of a light was clicking in my own head and this kind of nagging thing in the back of my brain like Aaron you should do this. Like you you have the skills to do it and now you have the adoption experience and it's something that just needs to be done, so you should do it. And I wish I could have turned it off, but I just couldn't and so I I think for me it was just this is one of those, this is like a passion project for me that I just, I need to see this through. Cause I think, I think like you had mentioned, the adoption industry is changing and, you know, this is the first time in, in history where both adoptive families and expectant moms have grown up with the internet and online dating and social media. And so they're, they're more comfortable starting these relationships online at least, and then moving into the real world versus the opposite, which is what kind of this con- the conventional method has always demanded of them. And so I think I think now is is the time that um, there's a place for technology. And I recognize that it needs to be a balance. It can't just be technology. But, you know, that's the goal of Pear Tree is creating an adoption platform that uses technology um, when we can to make it more efficient. That is, you know, constantly balancing out with, you know, the people behind the technology hypertrophy as well.
0: So you can do an online home study?
1: Yeah. So the way that we explain it is, so on every major adoption journey, there are three milestones. Milestone one is you have to be, for adoptive parents, I should say. For So for milestone one is what's called the home study. You have to be approved to adopt in your state. Milestone two is matching, and then milestone three is legal. And we actually see an opportunity for the fourth milestone that we'll talk about in a minute, but. Um, so, so right now we're live in eight states. We're running pilots. But what we did is we audited home studies across the nation to figure out what is universally asked across home studies, what is based on state requirement, and then what is just provider preference in those states. And so, um, and we and we built an online home study program and are, are now partnering with home study providers in every state nationwide so that adoptive families can connect to a licensed home study professional in their state and go through a streamlined online home study process to make it more efficient um, for both parties, for the professional and for adoptive families.
0: Ooh, people listening to this, they're just starting their journey. They want to know what is universally asked.
1: Truth be told, there's about 90% of the questions in home study are universally asked. And it's 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 not necessarily, they're not questions that are scary. It's mainly just questions about yourself. So there's this process where um, home study professionals want to learn about you and just your history in terms of, you know, descriptions of you and like, have you been married before? Have you been divorced before? Have you been discharged from the military? Um, more about your autobiographical information. What was life like for you growing up? And so home studies are kind of <laughs> it's kind of cool process where you get to be a little bit reflective on your own life. And how you grew up and you start to think about like how those experiences affect how you want to parent. And so a lot of the questions revolve around just your life experience.
0: People get so scared. That is a scary thing when they start the process. I I know I was scared. I'm like, what are they going to ask us? And then someone said to me, they are trying to get you licensed. They're not trying to stop you. Yeah. So they want to help you answer the questions. They, they're they cheering for you, right? So they're not there to be like, what? This plug right here. You can't have a child because you have this plug. You know, <laughs> you're like thinking of all the things that could go wrong. And it's just so nervous. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah we, we actually did an interview of our families to see how many families bought fresh flowers or baked cookies. Um, before their homesteading, it was something like over 70%. At least had bought fresh flowers because they were just that idea of like someone coming into your home and white glove testing your window sill. Like it just mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. But that's I think what people what people have in their minds. And in fact, what we try to tell people is, I mean, I still think about my homesteading process, and it makes me love my husband more when I think about it because it's when you're going through it with somebody else, especially it, the the social worker will ask your person, like, why do you think Aaron will be a good mom? And you get to hear your person just kind of shower you in all these amazing things that they say. And I still draw on, on what my husband said, especially when I'm mad at him, you know, (laughs) You said
0: I was going to be a good mom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, I think it can be a really nurturing and bonding experience. And, and so that's what, that's how we try to prepare our families when they're going through pear tree home study is just to say, hey, this is educational and nurturing, not investigative and scary.
0: I think a lot of people are wondering, how does that actually take place? So nobody's in my home or they are in my home or, you know, I'm just on the Zoom call all the time. Or how do they know that my house is safe and how do you pass that with the state?
1: Yeah. So the way it works with Pear Tree Home Study is uh, families fill out a pretty comprehensive application, um, and that includes, you know, what we talked about, personal history, autobiographical. There's a number of references that are all done via just online form on Paratory Home Study, financial information. And when you submit that, it goes to a um, the social worker that you picked and they look at your application, schedule time with you to come to your home. And, and depending on what state you're in, so Washington State, because of COVID right now, they're still doing home studies via Zoom. That's still an option. But other states it's not. And so it's, it's literally the social worker showing up in your home and sitting down for a couple hour interview. Again, depending on what state, sometimes they require two or three of those home visits. But, um, but either way, it's again, like just, it's just meant to be getting to know you um, and about you and your family of origin and, and, you know, your dreams and aspirations of parenting and um, and, and again, like it's super educational. So it's a period of time where you get to ask the social worker questions and learn about um, everything from, you know, things like what happens if the birth mother has had drug use or um, how to think about, you know, your life if you are, are going through a transracial adoption. And so it's it's this period of time that, um, you know, is, is yours. You're literally paying for it. So this is your time to to really ask questions and learn about the process in addition to, you know, social worker learning about you and, and approving you to adopt. And, and once the home visits are done, it's typically, as long as your application is complete, it's typically just a process of your um, social worker completing what's called a pre-placement report, which is your approval to adopt in your state, um, which is when you're allowed to officially start matching.
0: And you're doing the matching
1: yeah, so this the kind of second second milestone on every adoption journey is matching and, and so we have Pear Tree City, and that this kind of dovetails right into Pear Tree matching. And so we built a platform that's really similar to online dating. So adoptive families build an online profile and then expectant moms sort through those profiles based on what's most important to her. And we see anywhere from eight to fifty expectant moms register on Pear Tree every month. And so um, and I think the the statistic that we track, because I think a lot of our families are like, well, what are my chances if we're doing matching with Pear Tree? Um, which I think is an excellent question to ask any platform that you're using or that yes. you're paying to match on. Um, and And if your platform can't give you an answer, that's a bad sign. And so I think for us, we use online dating as a metaphor for what we do at Territory Matching. And just like online dating companies don't track marriages, but they do track how many conversations are happening and how many people are going on dates. So we track what we call engagement, how many expectant moms are actually engaging with our adoptive families. And right now we're at a 70% engagement rate, meaning seven out of 10 expectant moms are actively engaging with our adoptive families' profiles favoriting them, messaging them. And so um, we feel really confident about that. And and one of the other things that we track is a ratio of how many adoptive parents are on the site versus how many birth moms are on the site or expectant moms. And so for us, that, we don't want that ratio to go over seven to one because we want to make sure expectant moms are given you know, an ample amount of choice because we feel like that is uber important for an expectant mom. Um, But we also want to make sure that we're providing adoptive families with some sense of opportunity that they will be able to connect.
0: Right. I think that's really good. Sometimes, well, in the past, a mom has had 30 families to choose from. That's way too much for her to even process. And so really asking her, what are you looking for for your child? And then limiting the people based on what she wants.
1: Yeah. And so we actually, we have really cool research. So we survey constantly our adoptive families and also our expectant moms. And so we are always asking expectant moms, what are the most important characteristics of an adoptive family to you? And then we weight those when we're presenting her with options for adoptive families. So always number one for expectant moms is personality of the adopting family, which is why we use personality-based matching at Pear Tree. Always, not, option number two is open adoption. And very, very shortly thereafter in, in spot number three is education. Mm-hmm. And so those are kind of the three things that um, when, when we're presenting adopting families to an expectant mom, are those are the three things that we kind of use as the primary filters when we're presenting to her.
0: Now tell us in the first year, how many placements you had, because actually you had a really high number.
1: Yeah, so we know, we know of 20 matches, and we are constantly hearing about more because we're wholly dependent on our adoptive families, or expectant moms circling back and telling us. And so, um, so we know of 20 and but you know, I'm on the phone with social workers all the time. They're like, Oh, yeah, we had our family match with you. It's like, Oh, great. Good to know. (laughs) Um, So I think (laughs) if we can ask our, our, our families, let us know so that we can keep track of this to give other adoptive families hope.
0: And you had a family that went through you that was featured in People Magazine.
1: Two, yeah. Yeah, we had two stories in People Magazine. So yes, um, Seth and Barrett, um, they're, they're actually, I think, a really good example because they um, they signed up on Pear Tree and within 10 days had connected with an expectant mom. Unfortunately, they had also, uh, a couple of weeks prior to signing up, signing up on Pear Tree, had signed up with a matching agency and paid... An, crazy exorbitant fee. Um, and even though they matched on Pear Tree the and matched on Pear Tree very fast, the matching agency didn't reimburse any money. So it's, it's I think it's a good kind of hard lesson for Seth and Barrett to learn about, but good lesson for other adopting families to know is, you know, like you really need to weigh your options carefully. And and one of the things that we tell families to do all the time with Pear Tree is, you know, you want to preserve as many options as you can. Um, And that also means preserving your budget because adoption journeys can be really long. And so you want to, and your preferences may change. And so if you can preserve, you know, budget and options, um, it gives you more flexibility down the road to add options or take options away um, as as your preferences change.
0: Okay. I'm going to post those stories online. If I am a pear tree family, do I pay a fee?
1: Yes yeah, so we have we have three different options. You can pay for a home study just separate, and you can also pay for matching on a monthly basis. So we don't have any contracts. You can cancel any month you want to. It's seventy five dollars a month. Um, and unless you're working with a pear tree adoption professional partner, in which case it becomes sixty dollars a month, and or we have kind of a bundled service where you can do pear tree home study and matching, and that's twenty one hundred
0: and tell me the fourth milestone.
1: Yeah. So the fourth milestone, we call it pear tree family. And um, I think for for us, having, having gone through two of our own adoptions and now watching so many families go through adoption, one of the things that kind of stood out to us is so many of our families, both adopting and birth families, kind of think that adoption ends once the baby is born and contracts are signed. And as an adoptive parent, like that for me, that that's actually when it became the hardest. It's only just begun, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I feel like that's when you need actually more support, mm-hmm. um, and you need that support forever. And that support kind of tracks with the age of your child, um, because you know different things start to arise, like my eight-year-old asking a lot of questions about where he comes from, and. And, you know, we're obviously very open about it. But, like, what's the right level of detail at an eight year old versus my five year old mm-hmm. Um and, you know, like as when babies are born, like, how do you go get a social security card and doesn't look can in insurance can you insurance put the infant on your insurance when you don't have a social security card? And there's there's logistical things. there's relationship things that are really hard to navigate,
0: yes, you're right. Ours said, baby boy, they were like, we cannot yeah. put him on your insurance because it says baby boy, because his birth certificate said, baby boy. And we tried to get a social security card said baby boy. And it was very challenging.
1: It's very challenging. And you know, you have (laughs) an adoptive family, you have a newborn, so you are exhausted and trying to navigate all of these really hard logistical challenges. And so, um, you know, and then, and then the birth family, same thing, like that, you know, some birth, some birth moms, it hasn't, hasn't fully hit them until two or three years down the road, in which case that's when they need a lot of support. And, you know, the agency has moved on at that point. And so like, how are we creating the tools and technology and resources to help families in the, the fourth milestone, which is, um, you know, actual family, right? And navigating the relationship between adoptive family and birth family, which, you know, you we find these contracts when the baby is born, but you know, three years down the road, your relationship might look really, really different. And so how do you, how do you navigate all that? And so that's, that's kind of the piece that we'll be working on um, in the near future. That's
0: exactly the piece that we, we are representing as well. That's so important that community afterwards, you really do need the community because we are a different family. We have different answers. Mm -hmm. We have to go about things differently. And I'm okay with that as long as I've got people with me, right? As long as I'm building this yes. community of people that get it. And that's what's so important is I just want to be around people that just get it. And so I love that you're doing yes. that. Tell people where they can find you.
1: Yeah, we are at paratreefamily.com, and Pear Tree is P A I R, not the fruit.
0: Oh, good. I'm glad you spelled that. Thank you so much, Erin. I so appreciate you coming on and telling your story and what you're doing for the adoption community.
1: Thanks, April. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. And I'll give you a promo code so you can share that with your families too.
0: Oh, yay. And also, how'd you hear about us?
1: By your podcast? I'm a listener.
0: Yay. I loved your podcast. I I love hearing that. (laughs) Thanks, April. And thank you for listening. If you have an adoption story you'd like to share, please email us at fallon at com. See you next episode.